Hello and welcome back to the Thunder Six Podcast. I am your host, Ben Kreider, and today I'm going to be talking about the Thunder's two-game road trip. And I'm also just going to be breaking out the game we have tonight against the Phoenix Suns. And one familiar face from Phoenix who we will actually not be seeing in this game. And actually the same goes for the Phoenix Suns too. So a bit of a trade-off going into that. So I'm going to be breaking it down, breaking down just the next 48 hours for the team. And it starts with our two games. We have one of our first back-to-backs. Since I really can remember, since the um, second half of the season started, we might have had like one more. But um, yeah, I mean, this has kind of been a rare occurrence where we've had back-to-back games. And, you know, actually, we're going to have another back-to-back on April the 7th and April the 8th. That's Wednesday and Thursday of next week. So we're kind of going to have a lot more of those heading into the future. But hitting our first one in a while now, we're playing the Phoenix Suns at 9 p.m. tonight. So it's going to be a very late game. I know some of you guys like that. Some of you probably do not. But it's going to be one of those late ones. I really like staying up to watch those games. And then tomorrow, we also have another really late game. Also a 9 p.m. start time against the Portland Trailblazers. And it's pretty weird because when you have these like back-to-backs, I say typically they're at home. But when they're on the road... I don't think the mileage is like crazy. This is a pretty big amount of distance you got to cover. You know, we've seen the Thunder play like the Lakers back to back, like in baseball sets or whatever. No, I mean, the Thunder, they are traveling 959 miles to get to Phoenix. And then from Phoenix to Portland, they're going to be going over a thousand. They're going to be going 1,332 miles. That's over 2,200 miles they're going to be taking in the next. 48 hours and if you want to add and if you want to add that trip back they're going to be taking from portland that's 3623 miles they're going to be taking so they're probably going to have a lot of jet lag heading into portland and honestly it's probably not that big of a deal for us since i think the objective for some people is just trying to lose games and i think that's seriously a viable option when it comes down to it like shay's not going to be playing al horford he's not going to be traveling with the team when we're away so it makes sense, you know, why people would kind of have that idea in their head. And these are two pretty big heavy hitting teams in the Suns and the Trailblazers that they're going to be facing. So I'm not going to write them up 100% as losses because the Thunder always seem to find a way, like against the Raptors in our last game. Did we really think there was going to be a double digit win for them? The only person I saw on Twitter even come up with that idea was Brandon Rabar of Daily Thunder. And I'd assume he was just joking. Like, I feel like everyone just kind of makes those predictions, and if they hit, they just stick with it. But I don't know. I think at this point, you really just need to start expecting the unexpected when it comes to these guys. And they're not going to have their main players, at least for the Suns game. We know we're not going to see any SGA. Dort is still going to be sidelined. Baisley's gone. Muscala's gone. Ty Jerome's gone. Only person that you're going to get back is Alexi Pogachevsky. So that's a good thing. But everybody else, they're going to be gone. And just for the hell of it, let's just assume they're not going to be there for the Trailblazers too. Pretty run-down roster. Really what you just saw against the Toronto Raptors. And they were able to pull it off. You know, I think they were just so in sync. And they're going to have a chance to apply themselves in these next couple of days. So it's going to be exciting. But they need to start against the Phoenix Suns. And this is a team that... 
really everyone in the entire NBA is just sleeping on right now. They are the second best team in the entire NBA. Only team better than them, the Utah Jazz, a team who we played very, very early on in the regular season, but I'm pretty sure we only lost like one or two points. It was a pretty big nail biter. Might have played them a second time this season. I just distinctly remember beginning of the season, oh my gosh, I think we won our first game against Charlotte, played Utah, super close, but we didn't finish it out. Anyways, we're going to be playing the second best team in the league when it comes to Phoenix, and it seems like really nobody is giving them the credit they deserve, and it's because they don't have the superstars. Same goes with the Utah Jazz. I think Utah in the All-Star Draft, their guys, Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert, they were the last picks in the draft. And Mike Conley, he wasn't even selected to begin the thing. Wasn't even the first replacement. He was the second replacement to get into that game. I think it's pretty fair to say Shea, on paper, just annihilated him. Like, if you take out the records, SJ was clearly the man. But obviously, you know, with Mike Conley's history, he should have been in there probably multiple times when he played for the Memphis Grizzlies. And, um, I mean, I, I mean, they still are. But at the time, the Jazz were the number one team in the league. So, might as well give them three all-stars whenever Al Horford, Kyle Korver, Josh Smith, and Joe Johnson, I think, were all all-stars in the same year with the Atlanta Hawks. And I think they lost in the first round that season, too. So, I'm cool with it. I'm not going to hold a grudge against them. But um, they're just not getting the respect. And the same goes with the Suns. You know, Devin Booker was not an immediate selection. I think he was the first replacement. And then it was Mike Conley. But they just don't they don't get any credit. I think Chris Paul, he gets the credit now. And he got his due credit at the very end of the season for the Oklahoma City Thunder. This guy... I've actually seen him in the MVP race. I don't think I saw that at all last season. So now he's just in the forefront of everything. Like people are genuinely giving him that kind of respect. So it's going to be nice seeing him. I really wish we could see SGA play against Chris Paul. And I think everybody probably shares that same belief with me too. But you know what? You get a secondary prize. You get to see Teo Maladone play Chris Paul for about 35 minutes. Teo played 32 in the last game. And it didn't seem to mean that much. You know, I thought that he needed to play like 36 to 38 minutes because we didn't have a secondary point guard. But how Mark Dagnall runs the offense, anybody can be a playmaker. So it doesn't matter if we don't have a guy listed as a point guard in that second unit. We're going to find a way, whether it's with Josh Hall, Justin Jackson, Isaiah Roby, you name it, we got it. And now with Pokachevsky coming back, it's really not going to be an issue at all because they love using po- using Poku as a point guard, like in Orlando, he was at times the primary point guard, like from the jump, he was the one taking the basketball up, even when Ty Jerome was out there with them, so I think it's just a lot of experimenting, and I don't think it's going to be that big of a problem now that we have Pokachevsky back, but you do have a lot of people on the Phoenix Sun side who they can put up some shots, and Chris Paul statistically he's not you know averaging the flashy like 25 points per game but we know he's a wizard when it comes to getting his mid-range shots to go even from beyond there I mean from three he was nice and just passing the ball he is like an absolute wizard there so you need to worry about him but Devin Booker is extremely hot his last game he had 45 points and I don't think 
I think Devin Booker, for everyone, since he's kind of a superstar, or at least he's around that level, he torches everybody. But, you know, whenever he plays the Thunder, he always seems to be really close to like 30 points. So you need to clamp him up. Don't have Lou Dort to test him. Who's going to be the guy who steps up on him? Maybe it's Fee. Like, I would think he would still be in the starting rotation. But um, I don't know if you could 100% say that because I think the starters for that Raptors game was um, Kenrich Williams and Svee playing together. And I know that's, yeah, I think Kenrich typically is the guy who's really that loose string who he was starting very minimally for us, I think, in February. And now he is just when injuries are really that bad. But I guess since he's 26 and Svee had 22 points last game, I would think Svee would probably get another shot in that limelight. So you add Poku, likely you're going to see Svee against him and Maladone against Chris Paul. So that's the two kind of primary matchups that you're going to be looking at in that game. When you're looking at Pokachevsky, I mean, just came off of his little ordeal. I'm excited to see kind of how he's able to bounce back. I think that he's really just been emerging like since he's came back from the bubble. I know that Mark Dagnall has a lot to say about him and just how he's just completely changed since he was with the team in in Orlando. And it's pretty obvious to see, like, he's not making any clueless plays anymore, at least not as much. So he's a lot more refined in that respect. So I totally understand why Dagnall would kind of go that route and say that. But we're going to see him. In terms of who he's matched up against, I'd want to say Mikhail Bridges because he is their small forward. But they also got guys like Cameron Johnson as well. And I mean, he's seven feet tall. So ideally, you're going to put a guy who's like seven feet on him, of course. But actually, one of their seven footers in Frank Kaminsky isn't even available if he would have that much time. But Poku is going to have a height advantage on whoever he is going to be playing up against. And one guy that I really want to talk about was Abdel Nader. But he's not going to be playing in this game. And as I mentioned in probably a couple minutes ago, Ty Jerome's not going to be playing either. And this is one of those things where you could kind of say this is a return game, but I actually think there's two kind of separate varieties when it comes to people coming back to their old team. You got that return game and you got that revenge game. Return game is like happy ending, like, I don't know, Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce getting traded, I guess Jason Terry too getting traded to the Brooklyn Nets they come back I think it was kind of mutual for each other like you know they didn't they probably didn't want to go to Brooklyn but they ended up helping the Celtics big time so when they came back standing ovation same thing with Derrick Rose same thing with Joakim Noah you really cannot say that with someone like Ty Jerome honestly and it's because I think that there probably were a lot of fans who enjoyed him with the Phoenix Suns but I don't know if the Phoenix Suns actually in, enjoyed him, like the organization itself. They did not use him at all. Like they just, they pick him in the first round. They want to play him mainly in the G League, like when he was playing with the Suns. It was nothing really valuable at all. Like his averages with them were so bad. I don't even think he shot 30% from three. It was probably like mid to high 20 percentages. It was not good. Nothing to be proud about to be quite honest with you then he comes over to us and he's great so I don't know exactly if I consider that a return game like as I talked about return games are where 
everyone's clapping, giving you standing ovations. I don't know. I think that he really has kind of just found himself in Oklahoma City. So if he would have been playing in this game, this would have been super fun to watch because we've seen him just hit three after three from limitless range. If we could have seen like a streak of three or four threes, like in a, just a chain going right into the basket, that would have been wild. We're not going to be able to see that. I guess with Nader too, like Nader, when he was playing with the Thunder, it was always a thing where personally, I didn't always enjoy his style of play because he's not this, he's not too flashy, right? He's like the kind of Kyle Anderson where he plays pretty slow and he's not going to be high flying doing any crazy shots. He just does exactly what you need. He's just a perfect role player. And I think that's why he kind of got ran into that Chris Paul trade to be quite honest with you, but I didn't like him that much because I always wanted Deontay Burton to play. Burton never got his chance, and, you know, maybe there was a real reason for that. Like, whenever Burton was playing, he was very just wild when it came to how he was playing basketball. Like, he would miss probably two threes in a row, and then he'd go for, like, some wild dunk. But he always had kind of decent moments there. And, you know, if you guys have seen the tape when he was playing in Japan... Like, he was doing 360 dunks in-game. He was doing chase-down blocks. We saw that in the NBA. We saw some of those highlight dunks in the Summer League, and I think he's also maybe done, like, one or two with the Thunder, but he just never had that true chance. And every time I watched Nader play, I was, like, a little bit upset because I'm like, damn, why don't you put Deontay Burton in the game? And... I'd say like 8 times out of 10 probably because he did have some bad games thrown in there. But like majority of the time, I just really didn't have anything to complain about with Nader because he did everything necessary and he gave you the end result that you needed for our team. Now, with his sons, seems like he's kind of been doing the exact same. Not going to see him playing though. So that's kind of another thing. But um, yeah, I mean, we'll just... Uh, We'll see how everybody kind of works around that. They also got Tory Craig, who they just acquired. I don't think he's going to be playing for for them, like 100% sure on that. So I think that's kind of mainly what you have going on with the game against Phoenix. But with the Trailblazers, you know, I'm not going to go completely into that because obviously I'm going to need to do a preview for that tomorrow. But they don't have Gary Trent Jr. anymore. We saw Gary Trent Jr. earlier on on Wednesday. He had what, like 30, 32, 33 points? Don't got to deal with it. We get to see Norman Powell. And Norman Powell's been averaging around 20 points. Is he going to be just like Gary Trent Jr.? I don't know. Because Gary Trent Jr., it's always something about him. Like, there's just always some random ass role player who comes in and beasts. We saw it with JJ Barea. You know, you can think of more legends kind of on that on that scale with him. But I'd say J.J. Barea probably tops the list of players that we just could never stop. So you got guys like him. Gary Trent Jr., I think it's kind of came into that list. And I, hell, Andrew Wiggins, too. Whenever we play him, he's always bound to drop like 30 to 40 points. So I'd put him there. I don't know if Norman Powell's there yet, but um, we'll, we'll kind of see. We'll see when we when we get there. But yeah, that was kind of just my preview of our next two games. So I think I might as well just get back into some of our draft lottery stuff. And I'm bringing this up because 
I actually was kind of talking about the lottery and the draft in my last two episodes. However, I never actually got into the details of like when these dates were. So the dates you guys need to be looking out for when it comes to the lottery and all that. The lottery is going to be on June 22nd. And that's going to be the biggest night probably in, in the past five years for us. Maybe longer. I'd probably say us in the 2012 finals is going to top anything. But in terms of our new age, Thunder... This is the most important night we're probably going to have because just seeing how this team is working right now without our best people on the squad right now, I don't know if we're going to be able to get a lottery pick on our own. Like If we're going to be in the lottery, it's going to be thanks to the Houston Rockets or thanks to the Los Angeles Clippers or whoever we got first round picks on for that matter because it's actually a lot more than just them. I know we have Philadelphia's that's pretty lightly protected. So there's other shots we have, but I think for the most part, we're not going to be in a stage where we can be in the bottom five without a miracle outside of this year. And right now, we're not really guaranteed to have a top pick. We've almost played ourselves out of that position. Right now, we have the ninth best odds in the entire league. So I think it's actually falling because Chicago, they're losing games even after adding Vucevic to the squad. So we need to start losing our games if we want to have a better chance at anything. And really, it's going to be a pretty slim margin. I think that, as I've talked about, the best we could probably do right now is around the 6 mark. Because I don't know if the Magic would really slide. I think Cleveland's your best bet out of that top 5 grouping to kind of pick up the slack here. But it's going to be rough. So... If let's just say we get the six best odds, number one overall is only nine percent, and then top four is just thirty-seven point four percent. So you kind of just gotta pray. And then with them, you also have the Houston Rockets. We know they're gonna be a top three team, and that means they have a greater than fifty percent chance of getting a top four pick. Their pick is top four protected. So it's really a coin flip. A little bit better odds on their end, but kind of see what happens there if they are like the number one team in the league or I guess the worst team in the league that's probably our best case scenario because if they don't land a top four pick it means we're gonna have the fifth pick in the draft and top five picks in this draft are gonna be stacked I mean you can kind of just rearrange all of them and it still looks really good like this on paper and from what everybody has been saying is probably one of the best draft classes we've seen in a while like this is getting hyped up almost as much as when we saw Andrew Wiggins and Jabari Parker come in now that draft hasn't panned out amazing but that's kind of the same kind of the same talk like whenever Wiggins and Jabari Parker were coming in you really didn't have a certified number one pick I think Andrew Wiggins emerged at the end but you were still there saying Jabari Parker in any other year would be no doubt the number one guy in a draft class. And in this draft, you got Cade Cunningham, you got Jalen Suggs, Jalen Green, Kuminga, and Evan Mobley. Would all five of them in last year's draft class or years prior be the number one selection? Hell, maybe. So you want to make sure you're going to be very, very high going in the draft. So we get to see kind of the ping pong balls on June 22nd, and then the NBA draft is going to be on July 29th. That is going to be a pretty late start time. I wonder if they're going to try to 
get the regular season back on track to where it starts around Halloween. Maybe that's not possible right now. Like, I feel like you need to have an offseason that's somewhat lengthy because the schedule got all jacked up because of last year. You'd shoot for, like, maybe a medium and get back to, like, normal time, but I don't know, man. Maybe they just stick back to trying to start around Christmas and that's that. But we'll see what goes on with um with the lottery i mean every single game probably i'm going to be updating you guys because this is something that is going to be very important just for the entirety of the season there's only 50 more days left of the regular season believe it or not so a lot of things will be kind of switching up and with the gaps between all these teams being pretty little i think the um yeah us between the the fourth spot and ourselves is only three and a half games so in a matter of a week, we could really just hopscotch a lot of people if everything goes our way. But I'm going to need to keep you all updated on that. And, you know, hopefully you guys like that. If not, just make sure to tell me. I mean, in the video or podcast description, you just got to click on my name, brings it to my Twitter, and you can shoot me whatever message you would like, whether it's a suggestion, complaint, whatever. I'll make sure to read it, and you know, if I think it's something that should be on the podcast, I will discuss it, and I will credit you on that episode. Really sorry if I kind of sound quiet in this. I do not feel that great, a little bit under the weather, so hopefully for tomorrow's episode, I'll be a little bit more energetic, you know, one of those days again where I was kind of contemplating, should I even record, because I do feel pretty crappy, but decided to do one anyways. So hopefully you guys enjoyed this one. I'll be back tomorrow, most likely, for another. And I hope you all will take a listen to that one too. But other than that, though, guys, that is going to wrap up today's episode. I thank you all for listening, and I will talk to you all next time. See ya.